Welcome to the Self-Esteem and Confidence Mindset with me, Johnny Pardo. Welcome back to the Self-Esteem and Confidence Mindset podcast with me, Johnny Pardo. Today, I have a special guest on the episode with me, Janet, where we're going to be talking about self-confidence, leadership, and many, many more things. So, I'm very excited to dive into our conversation today, but welcome to the show, Janet. Thank you so much, Johnny. It's really nice to make the time and to be with you. Uh, well, it's it's great you can make the time for us as well. And I know you've got a, a wealth of experience in, in kind of your industry, and I know there's, there's going to be a ton of value we can draw out of the conversation today. So looking forward to diving in. So just a quick introduction to Janet, and then we'll go into the conversation. So Janet is an executive coach and a global leadership developer. Her mission is to help people find their own voice in a noisy world and lead from within. Awesome. So Janet, can you tell us, first of all, a little bit about what actually got you into this area? Sure. Sure. I graduated from college with a degree in education uh, at the time in the United States was going through a recession and I couldn't exactly find the ideal teaching job. So I looked at other options and uh, the military just happened to kind of pop up. So I joined the United States Marine Corps and that's where I got my whole underpinnings about what does effective leadership look like. Uh, the U.S. military does a really great job. I believe, we believe in developing leaders and defining what good leadership looks like. They spend hours and hours on it over the course of your career. And so that's where my underpinnings was. I spent uh, both time on active duty in the reserves um, and then eventually retired from the reserves as a Lieutenant Colonel. So that's kind of what taught me about what is leadership and then got into the civilian side. I worked for a government contractor for a number of years. And that, that niche, that transition went pretty easily because I worked with a lot of government people. And um, over the years, I have launched my own consulting business and work with executive coaches on how to be an even more effective leader and then also brand new frontline leaders. Um, I wrote a book called The Seven Mistakes New Managers Make. And it is focused on how to avoid some of those trips and and. Uh, that we all face when we're brand new managers. So you could say, in a nutshell, leadership is my passion. Awesome. Sounds like a, a great range of uh, different activities you've been involved in and uh, great to always be a, a fellow author as well. So uh, fantastic on that. So um, one question I, I really like to ask uh, right now is, what's kind of your definition of leadership? Well, leadership fundamentally is creating followership, is how do you get other people to do the things that you or the organization believes that they need to do, whether you're in a military and combat setting or if you're in a for-profit or a non-for-profit, but effective leaders set direction and then get people to understand what that direction is so that they will get engaged and follow through. I think the trick for leaders is to do it in a way that engages each person personally. So the meaning that I find in the work may be different, Johnny, than what the meaning you find in your work, and that's mm. okay. And that, of course, is the challenge of a good leader. Mm. Okay, no, thank you for that for that definition. Um, first of all, to so sort of like dive in with that one. 
So in terms of leaders, obviously, you know, we can have different leaders in different areas of life and uh, at different levels. So do you find things from all the people you've worked at, something like self-doubt, for example, and we were talking about this before we started um, started this conversation, but do you found, find that self-doubt is something that appears at all levels of leadership? I think it does. And I do think um, I'm also an executive coach and I've worked with executives all over the world. And I do find in a coaching situation is where that self-doubt can really be shared. Mm. Uh, if you're the CEO, for example, who do you talk to? You know, you maybe talk to your spouse if you've got a spouse or a significant other or some of the people that you play sports with, you maybe can talk to. But it's very hard to let your guard down and to share an insecurity, a doubt, something that you're being judged, you're judging yourself up against on your own team, because of course they're all competing with you. And I think that that is fundamentally one of the best things that coaches can help us with is hear what those doubts are, try to name them. I was in a coaching meeting today and uh, this senior leader that I was working with is a little bit stuck about his next career decision and his next step. And we talked about, does he make the step outside of the organization or inside of the organization? And through the conversation, we really were able to identify where was he stuck? How was he, what was he stuck on? And um, so he could name that and then he can do something about it. But, you know, if we have these swirling thoughts in our heads, which is really what self-doubt is all about, and you just keep them to yourself, you know, you're gonna fit new patterns together, but they may not be based in any kind of reality. And I think that's what's so powerful and so successful about executive coaching is it really helps you vocalize, here's what my concerns is, here's what I'm worried about. And then the coach, his role is to ask questions to help you understand more deeply, to more dig more fully about the issue and come to some new insights. Mm. Love it. Yeah. And uh, I, I like what you said at the start there that you've, you, you're the CEO and it's like, where do you go from there sometimes? And you, I, I perhaps like, maybe I'm wrong. I've not, not obviously worked with um, CEOs like like you have in that way, but I guess there's there may sometimes be that not wanting to expose that to people in the, mm. the business as well. Do you come across that? Oh, all the time. And I think the higher you are in an organization, the more guarded you feel you need to be. Um, you know, so many senior leaders don't want to share what they're worried about, what they're doubting, because they think that might um, cause others to question their decision making or the direction that they're going. Um, and so I think, you know, having someone that you really can share your frustrations, your concerns, your questions with um, makes you even more successful. Mm. Mm, I love that because yeah, I mean, I've I've worked for many years in in corporate organisations, and fortunately, I had some you know good managers who were mm -hmm. uh, you know looking out for me, saying, "Are you okay?" And then sometimes, mm -hmm. just even reflecting now, perhaps I wasn't as as aware now on this whole personal growth stuff, or not that I was not unaware or had no empathy to other people, but perhaps. Sometimes it was like thinking back, who was looking after those managers sometimes, or if yeah. their manager wasn't so, so, you know, had making the time for them, it's like, who was looking after them? So 
think there's some some great work you're doing with with CEOs and you know senior leaders and in that yeah. in that space which is awesome yeah so what's kind of in terms of the the authenticity uh is, is kind of the next thing I wanted to touch on a little bit in in sort of leadership is there sometimes do you, do you find that that sometimes people are a bit hidden away from being their their true self in sometimes leadership because they they want to kind of please others or or kind of yeah. be a certain way to lead others what I found, Johnny, is that the leaders who are truest to themselves are the ones who are most effective mm. because they're not worried about being something else. But the reality is if we lined up five wonderful leaders, you know, if you and I agreed on here are five terrific leaders and we looked at how do they lead, we discover that each of them leads in a slightly different way. So there is not one universal definition of what does effective leadership look like. Um, it depends a lot on the individual and how they show up. But if they um, if they do show up to their true selves, I know how I am. I might be very gregarious. I might be very oriented on individuals and uh, what matters to each of them. Um, you know, I might not be as communicated communicative as the next leader, for example, but that person is also very effective. So I think the trick is to figure out what makes you you and then be that every single day as you show up as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, like that. What what makes you you? And guess it's um we live, you know, this is just this applies outside of leadership as well. We live in this world where we're constantly seeing what other people are doing right and mm -hmm. maybe a leader does looks at another leader and thinks okay what's you know what's the ceo of apple doing or whatever or what's the what's mm -hmm. Bill gates doing or maybe it's not even that high up maybe it's just like a you know smaller company and looking between the the ceos between each other or maybe it's one leadership member uh of the same team and there's two and they're sort of looking at what they're doing a little bit so yeah yeah there's i guess comparison may be something that pops up a little bit in in your work as mm -hmm. well i think it does and uh I, I think often in a coaching conversation leaders bring that question about my peers are doing such and such um should i be doing that as well and my question always back is where would that get you if you adopted that behavior what would it what would happen because of it and what's causing you to think that you should also be doing that. So it's really a lot about being the best individual that you can be, learning from other people, certainly all these people that you just mentioned, whether it's Jobs or, or Gates or, or whoever, um, you know, they have a lot of characteristics that we can emulate, but you can't just pick them up. You know, you can't take the whole of Steve Jobs and pick them up and try to internalize it because that just wouldn't be you hmm. yeah very very true there's always lessons to learn from other people and mm -hmm. um actually one of my mentors says this which uh i'd like i'd like to share i don't think i shared it this much on the the podcast but it's self to self for progress and then self to others for possibility in in that you're seeing mm. what's possible for them and great ways is possible for you but it's look at your own progress based on yourself uh, yes, I, I thought that was a powerful statement when he said that. 
Yeah, I used for years. I was um, a runner, and um, mm. I didn't run a lot of races because you always had that. Oh, here's what I, you know, my friends are always my friends were always faster than I was, and oh, they finished that marathon in four hours, and I did it in more than that. <laughs> and um, I really loved how when I was just running, just not in a race, not timed, you could just be out in the beauty enjoying the surroundings and being there just for yourself, which is really self to self, Johnny, as you just described, rather than self to others. Mm. Love that. Yeah. Runners, I guess it's quite, well, I've been running as well and I've, um, you know, done short distance, long distance. I always used to be very much very overly competitive. That's like, oh, they did that. <laughs> yeah. So I can yeah. definitely relate to that. <laughs> yeah. No, cool. Yeah. Um, so in leadership, obviously, particularly when we're in like, obviously the professional life we're talking here, sometimes we can all have very, very busy lives in our professional lives. And, you know, we, we're going so quick and actually we're, we're not making time for ourselves. So is that something you find within leaders that perhaps they, they don't have that time out that they need and, mm. How would you kind of encourage people as a start to find that time for themselves if they need it? You know, I find that everyone is overworked right now uh, when I have these conversations, whether it's with a team or with a very senior leader is people have way too much to do. Uh, I think coming out of COVID, we felt gratitude that we still had work. And then, of course, what happened to so many organizations that made it through that first six or eight or nine months that then their their business skyrocketed. And so they're in this high growth stage and they're not willing to pause and look around and say, now, where are we at and can we really sustain this? And so I think what's happening in so many organizations is people are just leaving. They're just overworked. They don't see any end in sight. And so they're leaving. And I think organizations, the leaders in organizations have to have the courage to pause and say, where are we at? Can we sustain this? Is there anything we're doing that is just filler work that doesn't make sense? Maybe it made sense three years ago. It doesn't make any sense now. And help people really sort out this very, very busyness that we're in. Mm, yeah, it's that uh, we can... We it can go so quickly sometimes through life and not uh, take that time to pause mm. out. And like you said, it can cause, but um, I don't think you use the word burnout, but cause exhaustion. And that's what people were, mm -hmm. uh, people are using frequently, um, experiencing frequently. I know I've been there as well. Definitely we can get carried mm -hmm. away. So um, yeah. Coming back. To well, and hopefully I do ask in most, most of my coaching calls, what are you doing in your off time? Mm. Um. And I think we still see this with uh, an issue more with women than with men, although men are catching up, which is, you know, dealing with family, two careers, maybe aging parents. So they're as busy in their off work time as they are in their work time. And where are you actually pausing to refresh? Because if you're not spending any time to pause, whether it's just a walk or maybe it's a run or maybe it's spending a weekend completely unhooked from your uh, electronic devices, you just can't keep going on at that same pace because sooner or later, it's going to catch up with you. Either mm -hmm. in exhaustion, maybe in a physical illness, maybe the loved ones in our lives are going to say, I can't do this anymore. Mm. 
yeah 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 so many different forms there and um i guess sometimes well sometimes it will just show up in an area where you weren't expecting as well so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah whether that is a physical uh you know physical symptom or it's a uh relationship symptom something that's that's coming up from that kind of exhaustion that you've been been going through so yeah very right. valid point on that one 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 thing I, I kind of bring up a few times on this podcast I've asked a lot of guests about, and I think it's really important to touch on this, particularly in regards to leadership and executive coaching, is, is the concept of, and we, we kind of briefly touched on it, but it's the concept of imposter syndrome, that the feeling mm. of like, uh, what if they find out that, you know, <laughs> I'm not really suited for this job, which is obviously hand in hand with the with the self-doubt we we came on is is that something perhaps you've worked with people on when they've they felt they're not adequate to be in that position mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think almost everybody has imposter syndrome mm. i don't know that they always recognize it or they mm. name it but i think women are better at describing it than men you know we know historically that women will apply for jobs when they feel that they're fully prepared Men will apply for jobs when they think they've got some of the qualifications, <laughs> which is the one reason why men consistently get ahead uh, in, in business and why they still are leading most of the Fortune 500 companies. Um, I think this idea of imposter syndrome is who else is telling you outside of your head how you're doing? And are they giving you real evidence? So we as employees or as fellow leaders can help that along by giving real feedback. Johnny, you did such a good job, you know, going from Johnny, you did a great job on that podcast to Johnny, your podcast is so successful because you asked such great follow on questions and it allows the, the guest to respond and continue the conversation rather than feeling like they're being grilled. You know, so moving beyond great job to what was great about the job mm. that you did. Oh, love that. Yeah. G- giving the specifics else. It just thought you find it a bit generic, don't you as well? And um, yeah, yeah, it's a bit general and people can't relate as much. I like what you said as well about um, it. Most people kind of experiencing that. And I mean, mm. I've, I've heard outside, I've heard so many names like who you wouldn't expect you know to feel like an imposter people like uh jennifer lopez i remember saying it mm-hmm. um marie folio huge in the entrepreneurial business space going mm-hmm. oh I've suffered with it even um don't know if you know him a guy called dean graziosi who's um sort mm. of runs a lot of tony robbins uh things with mm. tony robbins mm-hmm. but one of his main business partners remember he was doing the event which it must have been his fifth he's like do you know what guys like I was, I had a lot of imposter syndrome this morning. He comes out and he's just like, yeah, guys, he's just giving this value. And you think, wow, really? Uh, so, so I'm glad you, you kind of like recognized it. And when, when someone's often, when I've worked with someone on their feet, you know, they feel like they're feeling alone in it. I just always like to emphasize the point that it's not just a one person thing. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a thing that often people report, but also like what you said about, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, women will come forward with it a little bit more, but um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, one thing we do in coaching is um, we name your inner critic. And sometimes I actually got people to, to draw a picture of that inner critic. What does, what does she look like? What does she say to you? Mm. What are some of the words she chooses? And then how do you um, tamp down that inner critic? What would you like her to say instead? And to try to start to get those images, maybe you surround your desk with some of those words about you can do it. Remember last time how strong you were um, and getting some of those images so that you're verbalizing and seeing them when that imposter comes to call because they all do. <laughs> Yeah, like that, like getting uh, getting visual and then recognizing it as well, mm-hmm. rather than fighting it necessarily and getting in that aggressive battle. It's just uh, right. you know redirecting. I, I guess that's what you're saying a little bit. Yeah, redirecting. Redirect, yep. redirecting the uh, that that critic in our head. So yeah, I remember reading that uh, for one of my. Actually, I had a confidence coach a few years back, and she was. That really, that's something that really helped me as well. And she, she wrote a book about it as well. Is um about naming them and being being compassionate mm-hmm. as well. Uh, yeah. With them, so with with kind of like leaders and who who perhaps undergo quite a lot of criticism, or perhaps they've mm-hmm. got like a difficult, whether it's a difficult situation. You know, sometimes these things sadly do happen where you might have to make some hard calls in your business and. It's, it's never good you know you're never going to please anyone um I, obviously I, I guess that that's going to be an issue that quite a lot of leaders face when mm-hmm. when kind of leaders are perhaps in in a state when they're really perhaps low or in a real challenging state from a real knockback in the mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. kind of what are maybe one of the two of the key things that you you've seen that have helped them move forward from those real challenging places? Yeah, I think you start by naming it. What, mm. what, not only what are you thinking, but what's the impact of that thinking? Uh, where do you think that thinking has come from? Not back 20, 50, 30 years from your youth, but what's causing you to, to, make, to have those feelings right now? Um, and so I think the very first step is to just name what's going on. Is it that you're so distracted because one of your kids is not thriving? And in every way, you know, you run into that every single day. Or is it a conversation you maybe had last week with a, a superior who was critical of your work and you haven't had a chance to follow up and find out more about what that critique was all about? So trying to name it, I think, is the very first step because then you can do something about it. You know, was it poor quality of your work? Was it, um, you know, you're not spending enough time with your family? Was it, um, you can start to come up with a solution or a remedy uh, if you know what's what's behind uh, what's going on. Mm. Okay, so yeah, drawing back to some of that, that working on your self-awareness a little bit. Mm-hmm. 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 I think so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, like that one. And kind of what we touched on a little bit earlier when, well, I guess what obviously you're working with like CEO executives and it, it kind of helps them articulate sometimes when they feel like they've got no one to talk up to. Um, yeah. Do you find sometimes outside of yourself, obviously they come to you, that leaders find it hard to 
reach out perhaps for for help when they need it sometimes and mm. have is 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 that kind of something you can I guess the only way around it really is to start asking for help but I don't know if you've got yeah. any other views for that for and if that's an issue because I know particularly stereotyped men are stereotyped as kind of like not wanting to reach out for help and I've definitely lived that yeah. as an example many times through my life yeah <laughs> but yeah well I think if 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 you're wondering, do you need some help to actually talk to somebody else who might have gotten helped, help, mm. whether it's therapy or coaching. And there, of course, are two different things. Um, but I think you're right, Johnny, that men do struggle a little bit more with reaching out for help. So being in the company of other people who've gotten help, I think helps a lot. Um, asking yourself, what would make this better? And can I do it by myself? So often we get stuck. If we're in a bad place, we just think if I work, just work a little harder at this. If I get up a little bit earlier, if I work a little bit longer days, if I double check my work a little bit more, things will get better. And sometimes they can't get better all by themselves. And so that's where, um, you know, talk therapy, that's where coaching, that's where team dynamics workshops really, I think, can help a lot is because it gets you out of your own head and into some pragmatic problem solving. Mm. Like what you said about looking at or, or speaking to other people who've been through that that help or that support they've needed to really grow themselves. So that's a, that's a key one. But yeah, just be the... <laughs> Uh, a bit more open to there's there's different forms of obviously support uh, whether that's in the company you're in or in your own business or whether that's you know something out there like the talking uh the talking and therapy and things like that so yeah um thank you for thank you for sharing that janet so um janet just kind of like a couple more questions really and uh <laughs> it's it's flown by and really enjoyed it yeah it always does uh, flown by with such a, some of these uh, great insights. So would there be perhaps maybe two or I'm always keen to kind of what I'm very keen on is the concept of role modeling and mm. for, you know, some people to see what, you know, a real highly confident person, what can we take or learn from that individual? And I tend to do an episode a week on analyzing someone who's really confident mm. and, you know, mm -hmm. sharing what we can take from them. Are there perhaps maybe two, maybe three things, traits that you've observed from really confident leaders who have that real strong belief within themselves and they're able to lead an organization? Mm. Well, I think there's this idea of humbleness that can you admit your mistakes and will you do it mm. verbally to other people? I think that's one of the biggest ones for a senior leader to say, I got this wrong. It, we just didn't do it right. Um, I think goes a long, long way, no matter what your persona is. I think the second one is listening, um, listening more than talking. Uh, the people who work for you always know more about how to get things done and how to fix things than you do because you they are doing the job. So listening to them for their ideas, asking them constantly about how do we make this better? How do we be more effective? Um, I think, and then, you know, summarizing and saying thank you. Um, a, a good solid thank you goes an awful long way. 
Um, I was just thinking about giving some feedback to a young employee that I work with. Um, she asked me in the 11th hour to do something, to put some data together, and I did it. And then the weekend came and I realized, you know, she never said thank you. And it goes a long way is to just notice that mm. someone went out of their way to do a little something. Uh, I did it because I had a relationship with her and she asked me. Uh, but in the same token, there is an element of gratitude, I think, in our busy, busy society that we forget. Yeah, 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 to totally agree. And uh, creates that connection with people a little bit more when you say it as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I can remember that as well, like even being, you know, 17 years old and working in, in shops for managers and there's one manager I'm still friends with to this day, actually. I don't speak as much, but now and then on social media and stuff. And he was a real appreciative, but nice talking mm. guy, really good manager. You know, it was, it's like a supermarket and kind of shop, you know, as I, I kind of never really wanted a career there personally, but uh, you know, some people do, but I remember him just being very much like appreciative like kind and just fun good mm. laugh mm -hmm. and then I just like I never forgot that and you know we still mm. speak bump into each other it'd be like fist pump handshake yeah. um and I've had had other great managers who are very much listening but I remember just one manager I had and I didn't know him well enough to know he wasn't there long enough to know if he's good or bad but I remember he just wouldn't say thank you and it just that mm. that stuck with me just mm -hmm. that not saying thank you when I stayed an hour extra and stuff like that. It was just that, that kind of thing. Like, can you stay an hour extra? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. The other yeah. one would have said, thank you so much. So yeah. Yeah. Do, I know do. it's an inconvenience for you, but thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and what does that take? You know, it's two sentences. <laughs> it takes less than 15 seconds. And yet we get so caught up in this busyness that we forget these these just good relationship building techniques that that all of us um, make us better people. Yeah, it spreads good energy to others. And in turn, mm -hmm. that can kind of make us feel good as well within ourselves. So I really like your first one on the humbleness. Uh, mm. And then, you know, being honest, when you've made a mistake, because we're human beings, we always make mistakes, mm -hmm. you know, as long as we're learning from it. And yeah, and, and going yeah. forward, sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that kind of ties me on to the very last question, really, which is about decisiveness. Now, I mm. used to be a huge overthinker and be like, I don't want to make any decisions mm. in case I make it get it wrong. When I was being promoted or growing through organizations, I was like, I don't want to make that decision. I might get it wrong. Now I just do things left, right and center, obviously learning as I go. But I know there's yeah. always going to be a chance that I may be wrong. So yeah. is that is that a key quality in leadership that that's kind of helped that decision making and being able to really work on that well i think it is i think decisiveness is one of the key characteristics when we think about when we promote people are they willing to make tough decisions are they willing to make risky decisions mm. i think hopefully your decision making paradigm is the lower risk the quicker i make the decision but you can always uh, even a high risk decision, you can check in with two or three other people and see what they think mm. and get some collective thinking about it so that you're not out there all by yourself. Um, and uh, that certainly speeds decision making up. I think, again, we think that we have to do it all of ourselves. We're the manager, we're the leader, we're the executive. 
Um, and yet getting input, getting perspective from other people can not only move that along, but it can give you the confidence um, that you need to make that tough decision, that high risk decision. Yeah. And having confidence to ask other people as well. So yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said that getting other, other viewpoints uh, on board there as well. That can be, that can be key. So um, awesome, Janet. So thank you so much for, you know, sharing mm. some really valuable insights with us today in terms of leadership and actually how we've been tying this back to uh, our confidence and believing in ourselves because uh, we've got many different uh, individuals out there, you know, leading, leading by example, and we're all leaders in, in, in some kind of way. So yeah, uh, thank you so much for sharing. Where can, where can people find more of your work um, on social media or your websites? Great. Thank you. Uh, Johnny, I am certainly on LinkedIn, Janet Pollack. It's P-O-L-A-C-H. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can be found at in the lead, I-N-T-H-E-L-E-A-D dot C-O dot C-O, in the lead dot C-O. And um, you can download the first chapter of my book if you'd like to there, or you can reach out to me and I'd be delighted to have a conversation with leaders who are one, you know, scratching their head a little bit saying, could I really be more effective? And how would I do that? Those are the ones that are, are most engaging to work with. And I would love to meet them. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to link that in the, the show notes. So great. Uh, thank you. Can directly access your work. So once again, a big thank you, Janet, for coming on to the today's show. Thank you so much, Johnny. I appreciate it. Awesome. So That concludes our episode for today. And remember, work on your self-confidence every single day. Mm